SoWin TV presents. SoWin TV presents. Lisa Burkhart Worley, and welcome to Pop Talk, the show where you never know what topics might pop up. Do you or a loved one struggle with an addiction to alcohol? Is drinking one way you cope with anxiety or tension? Then you're going to want to learn how to ride more freely in life, as demonstrated by today's guest. Our guest's name is Lisa Boucher. She's a registered nurse, author, and a cowgirl from Dayton, Ohio. Lisa spent years training polo horses and also worked as a flight attendant, hairdresser, and bartender before settling in as a registered nurse. For the past 27 years, she's worked with a number of women to help them overcome alcoholism, live better lives, and become better parents. She's the author of six books, including her most recent, Pray, Trust, Ride, Lessons in Surrender from a Cowgirl and a King. So we want to welcome you to Pop Talk, Lisa. Hopefully people won't get confused since we have the same name, but it's a good name, isn't it? Um, now, to help people overcome an addiction, it generally helps if we have walked in their shoes, doesn't it? And you struggled with alcohol abuse in your 20s, right? Can you talk about that period of your life? I can, and thank you for having me, Lisa. So I um I think you have to I have to take people back a little bit of the environment I was raised in was my mom was a registered nurse like I am. She got addicted to Valium that the doctor prescribed and that escalated for her into a, an alcohol addiction that took her down to an incredibly low bottom to where she was non-functional. So, you know, raised in all this total chaos and pandemonium, we don't learn coping skills when you're, and, and there was just so much, my father, I, I call him a rage all, like, I think my mother's alcoholism just inflamed him and he didn't know what to do with it. And she did try to find help, et cetera, but it was just very, very difficult. So, you know, fast forward when there's a lot of water under that bridge and in between there, but when she finally got the right kind of help, I think I was probably 21 so my whole life, she was pretty, uh, I mean, she was a hot mess. I'm just going to be blunt about it. But when she did sober up, then she did start to whisper in my ear. And that was in my late 20s when I was, you know, a flight attendant. And when you're young and in your 20s, you can get away with a lot of drinking and people don't look at it as something that you shouldn't be doing. But for me... I know, I think I crossed the line. We were living in Texas. My husband's a professional. And so we came back to Dayton. There was his brother died suddenly. And we ended up coming back to Dayton. And I slid back into a marketing job. And it was the nine to five normalcy of life that I just could not adjust. And that's when I think my drinking escalated because I started, I was doing, um, I bought a lot of advertising for a hotel management company. So I was doing the martini lunches back in, this is back in the eighties. And um, 
So that's where it really started to escalate for me. And, you know, then, like I said, my mother was starting to say, do you think this is becoming a problem? And I do want to put it out for people. It's progression. That is like a really early warning sign for people to monitor themselves. If you notice that you're, you used to drink once a week or on the weekends, and now it's three nights a week or four nights a week, there's progression there and, and pay attention to it. And so, you know, I was not getting really, I, I was kind of spinning my wheels. I was always working and in school. I mean, I was a student for 10 years and that kind of thing. So that's how it was manifesting for me. I was not able to stick with anything that was hard, finish, you know, do any dreams and goals. I started having conversations with myself in my head that, do you think you drink too much? Because I think when our behavior doesn't resonate with our values and our morals, there's, um, you know, it's it becomes very disjointed and our spirits know. And my spirit knew I wasn't living the way I wanted to, but I didn't really know how to do it differently. And, you know, we're in a boozy culture, too. So everyone around me is partying and drinking and it doesn't look all that abnormal. But how it was impacting me internally was I was getting to be where I was spiritually bankrupt emotionally bankrupt. So that is where I just decided. And I think it was a God thing because most people don't quit where I quit. And, you know, I, like I started having that conversation and I didn't quit right away. It took another two years to where I decided to, but it was just, and I didn't really have anything major or bad happen, no DUIs, no jail, none of these, you know, horrible stories that people think they have, that has to happen before they can qualify as someone who has an alcohol problem. And that is, I think, if I can impart anything, and that's what I try to explain to people, that there are so many warning signs long before you become completely dysfunctional. And why do we live in a boozy culture that wants to ignore that and, you know, just turn a blind eye and wait for people to hit these bottoms and, you know, where their children are so horrified and or they're losing their jobs or their health has been negatively impacted and, that is where uh, I do. I feel like I was touched by the spirit. And I think seeing what I saw with my mother, I knew in the marrow of my bones, if I didn't stop when I did, I was going to end up very much like her. Amen. Just, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to interrupt here for just a minute because I had the same kind of experience. My mom uh, used to order vodka and seven up mixer every day. And so she would proceed to drink all day long. Now she did give that up later. Um, however, I think it did impact me. I started drinking at age 13 and, and, but fortunately a friend led me to Christ, uh, my freshman year in high school. And so God caught me, you know, quickly. But then when I got to college, I went back to it. Uh, I used it as kind of a crutch to, to be, uh, to be able to talk to boys and to just be looser. I don't know if you experienced that. But like you, I felt like um, after a couple of years where everything revolved around drinking, it was this night for three drinks for one on Wednesday nights. And, you know, when, when I was in college, finally, I just had to, like you, just kind of take a hold of myself and say, what are you doing? Your grades are terrible. You've got to, to get out of college and you've got to make something of yourself. You've got to get a job. And so I went on to grad school and proved myself in, in academics, but uh, I, it sometimes it just takes this 
you got to have a, a come to Jesus, really, literally, uh, what are you doing, right? So um, how can anxiety and depression lead to alcohol addiction, Lisa? Well, like I mentioned earlier, it, it all goes back to coping skills. And so many of us weren't raised with healthy ways to cope with life, with situations, and with our feelings. And so I think, you know, we live in a... People want to control the uncontrollable. I have noticed that in the hundreds of women that I've worked with, that there are so many things that happen in our lives. The big things that really matter, we have no control over, if you really think about it. So it comes back to that, you know, bloom where you're planted, um, where are your feet? And if we can stay in the moment and stay in where we are instead of, you know, that anxiety when you're projecting or you're fearful that you're not going to get what you want or things aren't going to turn out. And, you know, I tried to impart to my twins, I have sons that are grown men now, but that you can do the footwork, you can do what you can do, but you don't get to micromanage the results. I mean, that is when we've got to start giving things to God. And I never learned that concept growing up of letting go, doing doing your part and doing what you can do. But then how does worrying about how this is going to unfold, um, you know, how is that your matter? And it's not. We just want to hang on. We also I've seen people get into a lot of anxiety and depression trying to control how other people are going to respond to them. I mean, that kind of pressure and angst that you put on yourself to try to control another's response, it's pure insanity, but I see people doing it. And I was guilty of doing it that, well, if I say this, then they'll probably say that or that kind of twisted thinking. And I had to just learn a whole new way of thinking. And I think, you know, recovery, I learned to get my brain rewired, but I had to do a lot of the inside work and look at what was fueling the drinking because it's really an emotional problem, not a drinking problem. You call that letting go of the reins and you come by that terminology naturally because you were a cowgirl. And I find it interesting that you trained polo ponies because my dad was a polo player and he competed in polo matches on a regular basis. Can you share a little bit about your time as a cowgirl and what was how is life like riding horses? Well, I grew up with the horse. I started riding when I was five and training the polo horses was, you know, you're in there, you're, you're learning, you're doing a lot of things, but I think where I really resonated with horses and what helped birth, um, pray, trust, ride is going on cattle drives out West. I feel more comfortable in a Western saddle and I love nature. And I had some very, um, you know, times in the saddle where I literally, I talk about an incident when I was 15 and I was caught in this horrible thunderstorm and we were coming through, my horse and I were coming through the part of the trail. We were like six miles out and there was a wooded area that I knew like trees fell down and the trails were always changing, but I had to literally let go of the reins and just hunker down on in the saddle and lay low so that if there were low hanging, um, branches or whatever, I wouldn't get 
thrown off the horse because I was caught by those. So that is a very visual of sometimes we are in situations where we literally had, I had to let go of the reins. And I had another, when we were on the mountain and we were on a very precipitous path where there was a, a deep, steep drop on one side. And if I turn my head to the left, I'm literally kissing the mountain. So I let go of the reins and let the horse just do what the horse needed to do without trying to steer and micromanage. So this is what, you know, I give these visuals to help people like this is what we need to translate into life and use God as the big, um, he is the one guiding it all. And we're just doing our part. So you overcame alcohol addiction and you became a confident woman who rides through life with a looser rein. And now you work with women to help them overcome alcoholism like you did, live better lives, become better parents. What are some ways you help women accomplish these objectives? Well, I first, you have to start with getting their self-esteem back. And that is, I don't think, I, I'm going to speak of me. I didn't realize that I got my self-esteem back by doing the next right thing by, for instance, when I was in early recovery is when I went to nursing school. And like I said, I had been going to school for 10 years and hadn't finished my degree. So I stuck with it. I prayed my way through nursing school. I used the tools I was learning in recovery and I graduated valedictorian. And that was huge because I always knew I was intelligent, but when I kept quitting, when the going got rough, I quit. So when I'm working with other women, we start with small things in their life. For instance, have they not been able to hold a job before? So we get them, you know, work on getting a job that is not going to be overly stressful, but where they're accountable, showing up. Some people really have to start with those basic things of being accountable and showing up on time because they've never learned that in their life. And especially if they started in addiction at a young age, there's some basic life skills that they don't have. And so it really, everyone is different and you have to meet them where they are that some need, like they'll call and say, now what do I do? Wash your dishes. Did you make your bed? I mean, it can be that rudimentary for some people and others, if they are well-educated and they've been in the work world and they just need more help with dealing with familiar relationships with that kind of thing. So everybody is different. But it starts with the self-esteem. Yeah. So I've got a quick question for you that just came to my mind. And sometimes I have to go with what the Holy Spirit says. When you went and finished nursing school, did you ever worry that you might fall back into some kind of addiction because of what happened with your mom as a nurse? Well, yes and no. No, I don't want to say worried. I work a 12-step program, so I stayed involved in that. And I still do. So that I think keeps me, I mean, I worked in the emergency room in a level one trauma center for years and we are around a lot of medication, you know, the, the good stuff that people want to steal. I was never into pills or that, but I guess if you wanted to, you could back then it's a lot more controlled now, but um, no, I never really, I didn't, I, I think it's that we have a daily reprieve based on our spiritual condition. 
And that's what the big book talks about. And I believe that if I'm spiritually fit, I don't want to drink or use. So I have to stay connected to God. And that's what keeps me sober. That defeats the problem right there. I think we have to stay connected and we have to stay in the word. We have to pray. We have to pray for strength that we don't have. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hey, in your book, Pray, Trust, Ride, you use the biblical example of King Jehoshaphat to teach your readers how to cope with extreme difficulties. Can you share some principles from King Jehoshaphat's story that can help us today? I stumbled over the prayer of Jehoshaphat, and I just loved it because the the last sentence, and oh God, in your hand is power and might, in so many words, is what it says. And that really struck me, like, if I can get that into my bones, there's really nothing that we should worry about going through life, right? It's, you, you got to loosen up. And like I was saying earlier, that if we really believe that, that God is in control, and trust him, it takes so much of the weight of daily living off of our shoulders. And, and that's really what I wanted to convey. Like, this is a powerful little prayer that um, I didn't really know it was there. It's in 2 Chronicles 6 through 12. But it is a, a small little prayer. And King Jehoshaphat was in the middle of, you know, he's in Judea with his people. And they're being, all these armies are bearing down on them. And he's like, I don't really have a plan. And, and you know, I talk like, what king doesn't have a plan? Well, he didn't. So he didn't have a battle plan. He had a prayer plan. And so that's what I think we all need. We need to go to prayer first instead of last and get on our knees and ask God to take these tough things. And I know for moms and for women, most of the really hard stuff, a lot of it is around our children and, you know, these things that happen to them and we feel their pain in that, but we, we can't save them. We can't prevent them from going through life and being hurt or having things. And that was one of my hardest things to let go of is my kids. So I, I keep going back to that prayer for myself that God has got them too. That's right. God has um, no grandchildren. <laughs> he has children. They're his children as well. We just have to trust him with our children. And King Jehoshaphat also had a praise plan, as I remember. You know, they were praising uh, the Lord and as he fought that battle for them. And I think sometimes we have to, as the song says, praise him in the storm. You know, we have to praise him even when times aren't going well and just praise him that uh, we know that he's going to work all things together for good because he loves us. And, and we just have to trust that he's doing something good out of a bad situation. So how can we give some practical steps or what are some practical steps that we can give to women uh, who might be listening right now to be able to surrender control. We, it sounds so easy, but sometimes they, they may think, you know, I just don't really know how to do that. And it's not working for me to maybe just pray to, <laughs> to surrender control. What would you say? I would tell them, number one, start journaling, because when we see things on paper and get it out of our head, a lot of time the answers are there, or you can see clearly when something is far bigger than you. So I say prayer. I think exercise is huge because a lot of anxiety and that depression can be alleviated with something as simple as exercise. Get out in nature. 
nature. They say 89% of the of adults spend 15 minutes or less in nature. And no wonder we don't feel well. You know, you go from your car to your house and, and get out in nature. It is so healing. So I think just... We have to go back to the basic things. And you, you do need someone to talk to as well, whether that be a therapist, a spiritual advisor, a good friend, but someone who's not just going to agree with you. Sometimes we need someone who will tell us the truth. And I think that is the hardest thing to find is a good friend or someone who will be honest with you rather than agreeing with, oh yeah, this is terrible. Because like I tell my kids, we need to live in the solution. If you want to keep talking about the same problem, you just want to hear yourself talk. Do you want solutions? So let's get solutions. And that is exercise, journaling, talking, letting go. Believe it or not, I mean, it's it's hard to do. It's very hard to do. But if you can make an honest assessment or have someone help you honestly assess a situation, it does become very clear what is out of your hands and what are things that you can do. And I always tell women, if there's something you can do, do it. If it makes sense and it's not going to hurt you or someone else, but sometimes the best response is no response, and I think that is an art form in itself. That we don't have to engage in every argument. We don't have to jump into phrase that, you know, it's like that little saying, "Not my monkey, not my circus." So if it's not in your lane, get out of it, and that also takes a lot of pressure and angst off the table. I know my husband is is always trying to jump in and I would say to him, it, it's not your lane, you know, and I walk away because I'm not going to engage with him and get all worked up about something that's none of my business. So I think we need to, something as simple as that. I mean, it's not complicated stuff. It's just stuff that we have to be willing to do. And then there takes some brain retraining and honest assessments of situations. Great practical steps. I love those. In addition to being spiritually fit and reading your Bible, prayer, praise, all of those things, uh, staying connected to a church, uh, those are great practical steps. Thanks, Lisa. That's, that's going to help a lot of people, I think. And, uh, you know, in fact, uh, recently I was convicted by the Lord to start a little coffee group with leaders, like female leaders like myself, because we can be st- we can be stuck in our homes or in our office or whatever and and doing all this work, but then we lose touch with everyone and we don't have any accountability. So I thought, oh, this is going to be a great thing. If if I'm feeling this way, uh, maybe some other leaders are feeling this way. And so we've got some good buy-in. It hasn't started. It's going to start next month. But I think it's so important to have that accountability group so that you could discuss things and discuss the problems you're having and to pray for each other. So, uh, hey, let's talk about your cowgirl um, activities. How do you weave some of your personal experiences as a cowgirl from the trails into this book? Well, Again, nature is unpredictable. It is so much bigger than we are. And being out on the trail and you're under a big sky like in Wyoming or Montana, you realize how small you really are. And so I think staying right-sized is huge. Getting, not living in ego, but 
getting out of that. And that can be very difficult. And I find nature to be very humbling because you see the hand of God everywhere you look. You realize that it is just so much bigger than we are. The universe is a big, big place. And we are just a speck in the whole cosmic whole. I mean, we're all important. We're all children of God, but the world does not revolve around us. And so I think spending time in the saddle on a 1200 pound animal that you need to learn to um, get along with and love and be kind to, and then they're good to you. But, you know, these things that are so much bigger are, are, tangible they're right there in front of your face and so that helped me to weave in the whole concept and the prayer of everything we've been talking about in this episode that you know life has just got a lot of things that are way bigger than we are we need God we need to let go and we can find some peace in not having full control in fact the peace is in the letting go great advice. Uh, One of my favorite theologians was a guy named Anselm of Canterbury, and he said something like this. I'm not going to quote him exactly. You know, God is something greater than nothing greater can be thought. And that just made such an impact on me. And I realized that God is much bigger than our minds can even conceive. And I always tell people that, that nature is enough for me to believe in God. I understand why some people get hung up on Jesus and the crucifixion, although I'm a definitely a follower of Jesus, but I can see how that might, uh, hang some people up and and may take a little while for them to believe. But God, how can you not believe in God when you look at human birth and and DNA and the the most sophisticated computer in the world? And you look at the the just the diversity of all the creation, the animals and the trees and the flowers. I don't know how people can't see that there's a designer. So um as, well if we believe in in this almighty God, why is trust important when it comes to surrendering our will? to God's Lisa. I think getting out of self-will is the hardest thing for people to do because we don't realize when we are self-will, there's a line in the big book, self-will run riot. So we have to trust in things that we can't see. And that's hard too, because we can't see God, but we can know that he's there. You've just got to go on that blind faith that there's something that orchestrated this whole big universe and we've got to give our problems to God because he will do a much better job with them than we can. That's right. Um, There's so many times where I say, I just can't handle it today. I, I don't know how to do this. Will you give me some direction or will you just fight this battle for me like he did for Jehoshaphat? And uh, he always does. He's so faithful and uh, we just have to trust him. Well, I want to wrap up by going back to the beginning a little bit, Lisa. If someone is listening to this program today and they're saying, you know what, I just cannot kick this drinking habit. I've got to have a drink every day to just calm down. What would you say to them? Is there a a first step that they've got to take? Well, some people, for me, I got, like I said, I got sober going to 12-step meetings. So I would look at that. Don't be afraid to look at that. It's free. And I think it's church the way God meant it to be because it's people from all walks of life coming together to find a, a more spiritual way of life. 
go go to rehab if you're someone who or do you need detox here again it depends how much are you drinking some people do need medical detox because alcohol withdrawal if you want to go into dts can be fatal so it, you have to be honest with where you are in your journey for me i didn't have physical problems so i was able to just waltz into meetings but if you do you know there's a lot of help out there and there's a lot of stuff online find it and do it it's the best gift you can ever give yourself well thank you so much lisa for joining us on pop talk today lisa's book is pray trust ride lessons in surrender from a cowgirl and a king if you want to contact lisa boucher you can reach out to her through her publicist jason jones at jason at jonesliterary.com, jason at jonesliterary.com. And we'd love to hear from you. This show is produced by Pearls of Promise Ministries, a ministry that wants to reach the oppressed and brokenhearted through our media and biblical truths. You can email us at info at pearlsofpromiseministries.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Pop Talk Media or at Pearls of Promise. We're on Instagram at pop underscore ministries. Check out all of our past Pop Talk television programs on our YouTube channel. And thanks to our sponsor of the show, Grace Point Media. For all of your media needs, go to gracepoint.media. That is Pop Talk for today. I'm just an ordinary girl who God turned into a pearl. Have a blessed week. Coming soon at the Central Park Performing Arts Center in Largo, Florida, the first annual Solwyn Women's Conference. Hear 20-plus inspiring speakers that will transform you, shift you into your divine path. Mark your calendars, ladies, June 21st to the 23rd. Three full days of fellowship, worship, encouragement, and supporting local female business owners. When your soul prospers, so will your health, your finances, and your relationships. I need a lot of time trying to figure it out. You're stronger than you think. God wants us to walk in freedom. He wants us to understand the blessing. It's time to be healed in your soul, know your true worth, and be all you were beautifully and wonderfully made to be. Purchase your tickets now for this life-changing event at www.soulwinconference.com. Are you feeling broken or lost? Are you struggling to find a community of like-minded women? Come join us on Soulwin, Shining Our Light Women's Inspiration Network. Soulwin women have come out victoriously from their dark places and now use their God-given gifts to shine their light to the whole world. Get your free 30-day trial today. Go to www.soulwin.com. Dot TV to subscribe now.